And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's the Ed and Bob Show, number 174. Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you. To you. Good morning. Good morning. All of us. How in the tarnation did we start having that song for the Ed and Bob show? What is the story? I think I, was it, it wasn't my idea, was it? Yeah, it was. Was it really? Yeah. We every morning. What was seven o'clock? Did we do that at seven o'clock? Was that what it was? No, we, we yeah we were already on the air an hour, and then we did the seven o'clock greeting. Boy, everybody got used to that, didn't they? Yeah. But I remember those kids on the school bus, they wouldn't, they'd make the teacher turn up the radio and then they would all sing along. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was, uh, we had a hell of a show. We did. You unfortunately. Know? <laughs> yeah, we had a hell of a show. Did you ever think, you, you know, I mean, you had done, um, and ladies and gentlemen, this is the Ed and Bob show. I'm Bob. He's Ed. If you just joined us for the first time, uh, 174. Ed used to do um, Sound Off on WIBK back, I don't know what years it covered or how long you did it, Ed. But it was something like 60% of all the radios in East Tennessee were tuned to Sound Off. So you had basically done a talk show before. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you had kind of had the feel for it. Did was uh, learning to do a talk show a, easy for you or difficult? No, it wasn't a problem. I'm a talker anyway, so I did a talk show and I did a music show on IBK. Yeah. So it was, uh, the talk show was fun because I, I got to help pick the guests and get into their minds and ask some serious questions, you know? Did you enjoy doing that or did it get old? No, I enjoyed doing it. I didn't like the time. I had to get up early on Sunday mornings because the yeah. show was like from seven to nine. Mm -hmm. But it was uh, it was fun. I only had one person walk out on me, and that was Anna Ray, uh, James Earl Ray's wife. Wow. She what did she? Why did she leave? She got mad. So I was asking her internal questions. She did get send me some prints though, but no, uh -huh. she she got mad and walked out. So I said, okay. Wow. You know, um, James Earl Ray wrote me a letter um, that he listened every day while I was on the air. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know why I did not save that because I thought he was a convict and a killer. And for, I, it, can you imagine if I had saved that letter? Well, I, I don't know. It, it was I remember it was block letters. I mean, he could barely write. He, it was block letters, big, misspelled stuff all over the place. Um, want me to play some certain song at a certain time or something. I just can't believe I didn't keep it. So, Anna's anyway. prints at the bottom where she signed it, she says, for God and James, Anna Sandu Ray. And, you still uh, have it? Yeah. I've got them on the walls. Do There's you really? two of them. I've got two two prints. I've got a lot of pictures here, but I've got two prints that she did. Right. They're good prints. Yeah. Wow. She's a, she's a pretty good artist. Her brother, we ran into her brother one time and he told my wife, she's, he said, she's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. She married a guy that was a killer and was in prison. So what do you think? Yeah. 
Yeah, there uh, you, go. you know. All right, all right. Let's get this show number one hundred and seventy-four rolling. And what we like to do is uh, look back on things that happened about this time. Here we are. We're in the first week of December, Ed. And uh, what are things that happened in the past about this time? Well, back in 1942, like at the start of World War II, there was a nationwide gasoline rationing system that was mm. effective in the U.S. Yeah. I think that's been repeated a couple of times. Yeah, I think you're right. Isn't that when uh, your your favorite thing, uh, Daylight Savings Time, started? Or was it <laughs> yeah. World War One? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else he got? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rosa Parks set off set off a bus boycott in Montgomery, Georgia, back in 1955. And uh, 1969, boy, I remember this. The U.S. government holds its first draft lottery since World War II for the Vietnam War. Vietnam War, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That was, um, boy, I mean, uh, people today of, uh, you know, in their teens and 20s, do not understand what we went through at that time when you were of age to be drafted once a year folks what they did is they called out out of a lottery out of a big like they do the lottery on you know several nights a week here but in there were every it was every day of the year and uh, they would draw a day out and uh, if you were in the first one third you're probably going to be drafted and then the middle is maybe iffy, and then the last third you weren't going to go. And so that every year, every man, every guy my age, when I was a teen and twenties, man, that was a big day for you. He was eighteen and above, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't remember my what my dates were. Uh, I think they were in the middle. What about you? Do you remember? No, I don't. I actually didn't go through the draft. The um... We had, I was working at a radio station in Chattanooga, just yep. a young boy, 19, and we had an Air Force recruiter that came in there all the time recording commercials, Sergeant Jet. <laughs> <laughs> and he told me, he said, man, you're gone. You're, you're, you're going to Vietnam, and you're, they're going to give you a rifle, and you're going to sit in that mud and all that. So he started talking to me. He told me if I joined the Air Force, I'd get to work at an Air, Air, Air Force radio station somewhere. And I said, well, that's pretty good. How'd that work out? Yeah. Guess where I went. <laughs> where did you go, Ed? <laughs> Tell everybody. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That damn recruiter. Are you telling yeah. me recruiters lie? Oh, man. They're worse than police officers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. This time in, uh, let's see, 2001. You remember Enron down in uh, Texas, an energy yeah. trading company. Filed Chapter 11, and boy, did that break a lot of people's uh, wallet. Yeah, that was in Houston, I think it was. Yeah, and um, what were they, they were embezzling or something, too, weren't they? Didn't that guy right. go to prison? And Yeah, it was a big deal. Oh, Lord, it sure was. Mm -hmm. 1967, the world's first heart transplant in South Africa. What was that doctor's name? Didn't he use like a, an ape heart or something? Or a pit heart, one or the other. I think it was an eight part. You know. Put in a man, and yeah. I won't say his name was Blakey or Blakely or yeah. something like that. Uh, 1967. And uh, let's see, in 1954, Ed, I didn't realize it was, they'd been around this long. The first Burger King in 1954? Can that be wow. right? Opened yeah. in Miami, Florida. Wow. 
I thought McDonald's was before Burger King. They weren't? I don't think so. Well, I, I mean, know, obviously they weren't, but. I'll tell you what, I've got a grandchild. We got in a big argument the other day about Burger King. She yeah. wanted Burger King. We were going to go get some burgers. And she said, she said, I want Burger King. I said, there's not a Burger King in Lenore City. She said, yes, there is. She, <laughs> she took me right to it. There really was one? Yes. Buddy, they can sniff them out. <laughs> and, uh, and the next thing in 1933 is something we didn't like. What was it? Prohibition. Wow. Don't say that word. Oh, it came to an end. Oh, it ended. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Came to an end. Oh, what this else? This is strange. Five U.S. Navy Avenger torpedo bombers comprising of Flight 19 were lost in the Bermuda Triangle. Five airplanes. Wow. That's Did amazing. they ever figure out what the thing was about the Bermuda Triangle? No, I think it had something to do with aliens, don't you? <laughs> no, I don't think that. You Have you ever so? flown across uh, water? Something yeah. big? Yeah. Yeah. What have you flown across? Well, I have I have been in an area where you know they they uh, delay you from landing. There may yeah. be some, some big planes coming in or something, and so they send you out over the ocean to keep you out there for a while. Ooh, while they get the other planes in. That doesn't sound really a good idea to me. Oh, well, it's all right as long as you know where you are. There, and Did, thirty-one Ford produced the last Model A, and they're still running. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> 1931. Uh, you know, when you think about Ford, uh, obviously he was a smart guy, but I think back then they thought he was nuts. Yeah. And then uh, December 7th, the day that will live in infamy. Yes. So 1941, that will have been, uh, what, 70, 80, uh, I can't do my math. What is that, 82 years ago? I mean, 81 years ago, something you, uh, like that. Have you ever seen the uh, the Pearl Harbor tree in Cades uh, Cove? I have not. I there didn't know there was tree. one. Yeah, there's a big tree, has a chain around the bottom of it, and it has an inscription in metal on that chain. And this guy put that chain around that tree when the tree was young, when his son went into the military and went to Pearl Harbor. Mm. And, and the tree is dedicated to, to Pearl Harbor. And now wow. the tree is huge, and it's not on the list of things to see, but you can... How do you, you know where to find it? Yeah, you got to know where to find it. You walk up this little hill, and it's right at the top of the hill up there. Do you know, I have, Ed, an American flag that flew over the Arizona um, in 1991 on December 7th. 50 wow. year, the 50th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor, I have a flag that flew over the Arizona, which was sunk and is still in the water there. Uh, a 50 year, and, and that thing's kind of special to me. Yeah, of course it is. Absolutely. Fifth, on the 50th anniversary of that terrible, terrible thing. So, anything, you got anything else, Ed, before we no, move on? No, that's it. No, I'm right, ready for a question. All right, we all, Ed always uh, have a question that we ask because, you know, we're curious and we like to yeah. see what uh, other people think. So what's your question of the day, Ed? Well, I want to know what's the deal with free inspections? You know, you see these billboards and hear commercials of, of people who do things for your house or businesses, and they say free inspections or free appraisals. 
Mm-hmm. What's the deal with that? Do people charge for that? You ever well, a, no, it's they, they come out and they give you a free inspection and then they probably yeah. they'll say, well, I'll do the work for free or almost free. No, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't understand why they put the word free in front of it. I mean, I didn't, I've never heard of anybody charging for an inspection or an appraisal. Have you? <clears throat> No, no, not at all. No. Now, I tell you what, there are some companies uh, during the pandemic that would not come out and give you a quote. Um, they'd, they'd want like 50 bucks to drive out. And, well, uh, you know, but that's to because if they don't even know if you're going to hire them, they're like, man. But now, you know, I mean, here's the thing. If 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 you have the opportunity to meet your potential employer or somebody's going to hire you to do a service, that's 90% of getting the job, isn't it? Absolutely. You can it's do a, it face-to-face. That's right. There you go, man. So You're the king of selling stuff face-to-face they all going up and down Clinton Highway. <laughs> <laughs> Explain everybody what that's about because they won't know. Well, I had a lot of clients on Clinton Highway. <laughs> So I guess that's what it was. Most of you did the milk run, didn't you? Yeah, I did the milk run. I did. <laughs> I'll never forget. There was one day I was doing a remote at Bergen Dodge at the top of the hill. Yeah. I saw this crowd. They were parking on the road and everywhere. And they were down the street. Yeah. Knoxville, Lincoln, Mercury. And I thought, what in the world's going on down there? So after my remote, I drove down there, and it was a mull singing convention. <laughs> Gospel music, bringing them in there to sell those cars. They were all over the place. I'm telling you, they were everywhere, parking on the street and everywhere. (laughs) Oh, man, only in East Tennessee. All right, I got a question for you. Okay. It's it's only for you. Okay. Because uh, this time of the year, every year, this is something that um, started and it grew and grew, and then other people claimed it and took it as their own and act like they invented it and came up with it. And it's called the Coats for the Cold. And Ed Brantley is the gentleman that came up with this. And I want you to tell everybody a little bit about the story of how it came about. Okay. Well, first, let me tell you, I got a plaque from uh, Knoxville Area Rescue Ministries who manages that campaign now. Yeah. And it said, Ed Brantley, thank you for the compassion and vision that has kept Knoxville's poor and needy warm for 20 years. Wow. They gave me that back in, uh, the Coats for the Cold started in 1985. and That almost brought a tear to my eye just thinking about that. I mean, what a, no, really, what an, okay. what an honor uh, and that you did something that made a difference to so many people. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, there, there's, what happened was I was on the air on WIVK and there was a, a homeless person on the steps of a church in downtown Knoxville, froze to death. And I, I came home, and it just, it was so heavy on my mind. It just, it, after the show, and I, I, and I opened the closet, the closet was full of coats. And I thought, my God, you know, I, I know if I'm that way, then there's, there has to be other people who have lots of coats that they don't wear anymore that these people could certainly use to stay warm. And it just it just really stayed on my mind. I didn't I didn't forget it then. I couldn't sleep that night, really. So we just it started going on and on. And I talked to Mr. Dick and he said, Go for it. I said, Okay. 
So we went on, went on the air and started Coats for the Cold, and people were bringing them by the radio station. They filled up the conference room, floor mm. to ceiling. Oh, I remember. It was, the first room. it was unreal. And then other rooms got filled up with coats, and, and it just kept going. And we ended up giving the coats away at the Tennessee Theater. And I think Mickey Deerstone was the manager mm -hmm. of the theater at that time. And he set up, set up coat racks, and, and from all through that lobby, there was coat racks for men, women, teenagers, boys and girls, and, and even babies. So, and Knoxville just, and East Tennessee just really poured their heart out for it. We didn't, we weren't looking for new coats. We only looked for coats that were not too worn, you know. Right. They're good condition coats. And they wanted, they, they needed to be clean. And, and, and uh, so it wasn't a bad thing. And I'm it was amazing that we opened that theater and there were just hundreds of people lining Gay Street to go in. Just it just was, what it was, was your, amazing. What was your what did you think the response would be when you first went on the air and said, Okay, I'm gonna see if we can get people to get on board with this? What did you really think you would get? What kind of response? Well, I didn't think people cared that much. Mm. But I knew that people I, you know, it's it's like the people you see on the side of the roads asking for money or food or something. Yeah. And you know, most people just go on by and they don't don't really care. But the and you can't you can't give away your money and everything to everybody that's begging for it. But this this was different. This was families that did not have the coats to stay warm and children yeah. to go to school. They didn't have a warm coat to wear. And uh, it, it just broke my heart. So anyway, that's how it started. And it, it went on for years with WIVK doing it. And then we, it got so big that we couldn't handle it anymore. So the folks at Knox Area Rescue Mission became the, the governor of the, of the event. And they, they still do it today. And they, they distribute the coats and, and get them out there. And that's what you got to do. It just got to everyone at WIVK worked on this project. I mean, the salespeople. Mm -hmm. The announcers, everybody was up there putting on coats for people. Yeah, and uh, I remember them. very, very well. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, two things that come to my mind. First of all, uh, when it started, I, I, I thought you might get a hundred coats. I really did. And it, uh, we had the folks downstairs. We had this big conference room where uh, you know even other clubs had meetings down there. I would say it would hold. What, 20, 25 people sit around a big table, Ed? Mm -hmm. Something like that. And, and you know, what, 10-foot ceilings? Mm -hmm. Every square inch of that conference room, which was probably 35 by 15, to the, as Ed said, to the ceiling. It was unreal. And then... Um, I forgot what cleaners came on, maybe several of them, and said, if you have any there dirty, we'll clean them for you for free. It, it was just uh, incredible. But it's a basic human need. It's like you need socks or shoes, you know. Uh, um, but coats are easier, you know, to, to uh, share with people. And it was just, I don't know. And it, it, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but it's in other cities now. Oh, really? Oh yeah, I've I've heard of other cities doing this, taking the idea, and it all came from that idea that uh, you know that got placed in your heart. Well, I think that's a God thing. I really do. I'm not that smart, but it, you know, I think it's something that 
was impressed on me and it, it almost drove me crazy until I got to work on it. And, and the thing that really worked is the, is the other employees at, at the radio station. They all chipped in. It wasn't just me. I mean, everybody worked so hard, sizing the, the coats, making sure that they got to the right people, carrying mm -hmm. coats. And it, it was a it was an enormous job. Plus, you're selling advertising and doing your regular <laughs> job, too. So it, yeah. it was an enormous, enormous overtake, uh, undertaking. And uh, that's one of the reasons why Knox Air Rescue Ministries came or rescue. Uh, I think it's, um, well, last thing I'll add to it, I think it was the biggest um, community service thing that was ever done in Knoxville for sh and, and the biggest thing WIVK had done that affected so many people. Well, it did. It was, it was really nice to see parents come in with their children and mm -hmm. there was no questions asked. You didn't have to fill out anything. You didn't have to do anything. Just go. And, and we had people working all the racks and they would find you the right coat. And they'd say, is this OK? Do you like this one? And they would get the coat that they wanted and, and wear it out. And, and it they were just, thrilled when they walked out the door. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So it all was, right. Uh, well, okay. job well done, Mr. Brantley. Thank you, sir. All right, let's uh, tell everybody what the uh, topic uh, for the day today is and then uh, your sponsor. Okay. Do you want to be buried or cremated? That's a topic of the day. Mm. That's two good choices for you. Wow. My sponsor is Weigel's. Weigel's Family Christmas. This is something that it's a very merry holiday for the folks at Weigel's. True to the volunteer state, Weigel's makes a difference in our community by giving back. Weigel's Family Christmas has helped thousands of children in need. Weigel's Family Christmas was born out of a desire to give back to the community more specifically to our neighbors whose children might not experience a joyous Christmas. And I think this is it's, it's a wonder event started in 1998. That was the first Weigel's Christmas. And every year, local businesses and many volunteers like you come together to lend a helping hand to local children in need. Last year, they made the Christmas dreams of over 200 children and families come true. So they're passionate about serving the communities where they live and our hats off to Weigel's for that. Because they're really good people, and that's a locally owned company. And Bill Weigel served on the Salvation Army board for over 40 years, and his family started Weigel's Family Christmas in December 1999. And it enables the kids to have a jubilant Christmas spirit. The kids are chaperoned mm. by volunteers for a day of fun, starting with breakfast, then a shopping spree, and ending with a hot lunch. So how about that? Well, you know, things like that are important. We, uh, we forget sometimes, especially as we go about our lives, that uh, sometimes little things, we just assume everybody has them, and uh, a little play, especially for children. So that's, that's a big deal. All right, Ed, the so question for today today is, um, or not question, rather, the topic for today is um, buried or cremated? What are you going to do? You know, um, in California, I think it's about 50% people now, 50% of the population are cremated. And things usually start in the West Coast and move East. But in the South, um, I think uh, some people, some religions maybe even have different ideas about cremation and um, stuff like that. But uh, I, I hear more and more people talking about cremation than I ever had heard before. And I guess it's, a, 
you know, I don't, I, and I'll ask people today, I said, were you going to be buried or cremated? And they'll go, um, I don't know. I'm like, well, you, you might want to figure that out. <laughs> you, you might want to figure that out before you get whatever you get. Yeah. So, Ed, what's what's the deal with cremation and burial? What, what do you think people are thinking? Well, I think uh, a lot of it has to do with price, of course, and mm -hmm. uh, and viewing the body as an important part of a funeral ritual for many cultures and faiths. Uh, and many people mistakenly believe that choosing cremation is an option that makes this impossible. But in fact, it's not uncommon for a viewing to take place before cremation. Mm. And until recently, there were some of the major religions in the United States, like Baptists, were against cremation. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and some of these, you know, they, they thought that you had to be risen from the ground because of what it says in the Bible. But mm -hmm. And, but if you think about that, think about the soldiers, uh, the, the sailors who died at sea in battles and things. You don't think they're not going to be risen? Of course they are. And, and so there's no body to rise, you know. And, and it, uh, I think it, you, if you think about it a little bit, there's nothing wrong with being, being cremated. But uh, some people just can't stand the thought of the fire, I guess. I don't know. But you can just you know, take those ashes and dispose them wherever you want to. You can bury them on your own property. <laughs> yeah, we know that. Well, you can bury your own body on your own property. Yes, you can. Um, There's nothing you can wrong put you can put somebody's ashes in another person's casket in in the state of Tennessee. I don't know if you can do that in other states. Mm -hmm. So, um, what, what? So, what's your preference here, Mr. Brantley? Well, I, my preference is cre cremation. My wife wants to be buried, so. I think the rule is going to be that she's going to be buried, and, and I'll die first, of course, because I'm so old, but she'll have my remains in a jar, and she's going to put her hands around it and just hold it for the rest of her life. <laughs> Bless her heart. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's, well, no, that's, that's, that's very tender, and that's very... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's a joke. Yeah. Well, no, but I mean, the, the fact, I mean, is she really going to be buried with your uh, ashes if, if you die before her? That's what she says. Well, and um, I, 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 like, I think it's a generational thing. Yeah. Like, my mother would not be cremated uh, for any, you know, there's no way in hell. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's probably not a proper thing to say. But there's no way she's going to be, and and her age. I think people her age are are not cool with cremation. They think it's something like you said, potentially religiously inappropriate or wrong, or or whatever. Right. Um, I uh, well, I'm kind of in a I'm in the middle, and I I'll be honest with you, I'm one of the ones that hasn't decided. And you know, like you said, I better decide, but. I think I'm leaning more toward burial because uh, I don't like fire. I mean, the thought of me being incinerated just freaks me out thinking about it. <laughs> We're not okay. there. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying if I, you know, they all of a sudden, once they get me in there and I go, whoa, where am I? And then all that happens. So, and, and, and I don't mean disrespect to anybody that's going to be cremated. But then the other thing is, I'm claustrophobic. Oh. And the thought of me being in a box. Yeah. Scares, I mean, it freaks me out as well. Well, are you going to be all right in a casket? 
Well, that's what I'm saying. In a box, mm -hmm. in a casket, the thought of me laying in a casket six feet in the ground kind of disturbs me as well. Is there no. something else we can do? Can we do like, well, I could do a, a thing up over the ground. What do you call those things? You call them uh, mausoleums. Yeah, I could be mm -hmm. in that, you know. Uh, um, but I, I would, instead of me being in a box, I'd want to be in like a, you know, a room, just laying there. Yeah. <laughs> well, they'll, let, they'll put you in a bed if you want to, too. <laughs> this is not very likely to happen, is it, Ed? No. There are no state laws so. in Tennessee prohibiting home burial, though. Yeah. So that's that's good. You can just bury in the backyard. Uh, the only thing is you need to, you, you have to do it on private property, on your own property, or get a permission from somebody to do that. But most bodies are buried in cemeteries or memorial garden or mausoleum. Yeah. And, uh, and you can scatter remains. I remember one time when I was flying that this, this uh, gentleman asked me to distribute his mother's ashes over the Smokies. Ooh, okay. Is that so, legal? Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. So, oh, Sevier County, actually. So, okay. you know, you I bought this sock that, that air airlines use and they and stuck it out the window and you know that it goes from big down to little and the, the what you're supposed to do is put your ashes start pouring them in that sock and the, the wind will take them right out the back right well guess what uh, it i don't know work that well and oh it didn't those, it didn't happen i had ashes all over me <laughs> oh no oh yeah. no they weren't with you were they no uh, oh my god no. No. Well, but you well, were with that. that. You were with yeah. the deceased. Yeah. <laughs> Bless his heart or her heart or her heart. Oh, Lord. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, but it, do you think spread ashes in Tennessee it is uh, are there some I was looking here. It says um, cremation varies uh, greatly among Christians it says Catholic Church forbade cremation until the 1960s when they lifted the ban. Yeah. But they uh, they would rather the cremated remains be buried rather than scared, uh, scattered or taken home. Um, Baptists and other fundamentalist Christian denominations, as well as Eastern Orthodox Church, do not permit e e cremation. So there it is. Yeah, there it is. Uh, Methodists and Adventists and Lutheran churches do. Uh, uh, Jewish people... Uh, Used to shun the uh, cremation, but now they accept it. Do you, and and um, and uh, like Hinduism and Buddhism, it's required. Um, I was looking at this though. Um, this did you see this other thing? I don't know if I sent it to you or not. Um, the world is running out of burial space. Yeah. Um, do you know there's been for every person that is alive today. There have been 15 people alive before them. Mm. So that for every person you see, 15 people have been buried or died. And, you know, you assume a lot of them were buried. But uh, especially in uh, Europe, because they've been around longer than us, they're running out of space. They say within the next 20 years, England will have no space to do burials. That's, well, that's kind of bizarre. I mean, it is. It is. I don't think that that's a good reason to do cremation, though. I mean, you can still do a burial, surely. But I do think that that's, that's uh, I think it's something to think about. Also, you know, and funerals are so expensive. Most of them oh my are going to range of eight to ten thousand, twelve thousand dollars 
Oh, it, that'd be an economical one. But, uh, you know, I, I think my, I told my wife 10 or 15 years ago, because we've not bought burials lots. I told her to look into it and she came back and she said, well, where do you want to be buried? It's like $25,000. I said, wow. what? Yeah. I mean, do you have burial plots? Yes, I have um, at Highland and also we have family plots that we can join in, you know, because our So how much ancestors. are plots going for now? I mean, did you pay a lot for yours or have you had no, yours forever? I've had them forever. And Bob, mm. I've got a box up here. You know, one of the things that my buddy Walt and I decided that we were going to be buried in pine boxes. And he My is, mom wants that. Well, I've got a pine box up here on my shelf in my office. And it's mm -hmm. for it's for ashes, it's not for a whole body. Oh, okay. But I bought that from a cremation company and it's just sitting there and that's that's what I'm going to do. Well, my mom said she wants to be buried in a pine box so it would disintegrate eventually and be ashes to ashes. Well, that's a, that's a good reason. And of course, they, you they know make, my mom, so you yeah. know. And they and they make uh, caskets like that. They make caskets out of out of uh, reeds and things that, that you know. Oh, I've heard they make them out of cardboard even. Um, Absolutely. Uh, and but and but most people are buried in these fancy twenty thousand dollar caskets and then put into this airlock thing mm -hmm. that'll be in there forever. But you know, I've been to other countries, and I know you have too, um, that um, there are no burials, they're above the ground. There are right. these, yeah. you know, they, first of all, either they're below sea level or second of all, there's no room underneath anymore. Or they bury them on top of another burial. Oh, and that's the way it is over here at the, uh, the military place on North Shore. Yeah. That's right. Uh, uh, husband and wife, one will be uh, buried, uh, put over top of the other. It's not mm. side by side. Mm. So, well, I, I guess I better decide, Ed, because I'm, I'm, it could happen any second, couldn't it? <laughs> yes, that's true. So, so if my wife calls you next week and says, hey, Ed, we need, well, how much will you sell us one of those little plots over there for, for Bob? Because it didn't work out for him. He had some food poisoning that didn't settle with his very well. So, well <laughs> oh, God. You know, it, that's true. But it, it, it is, I think it's just, it's something you ought to think about, especially as you get older. And, I, and that's one of the reasons why I have them. Some of my friends have been cremated, and we talked about it before they did. And, and that's how I got the pine box. So got it right here. All right. Just, just a little pine Well, now box. let me ask you another question, because mm -hmm. I had a friend recently that he passed, and I thought, well, I, I, I really, I, I want to go to his service and everything. And it was a private service for only his children. And, uh, and that almost, it really disappointed me. Why do people do that? Where they say, I don't, I don't want a service or I don't want uh, any, you know, in, any, I don't even want a funeral service. So we'll do something at the burial site and that's it. Why do well, people I don't, do that? I don't blame them for doing that. The, well, the one thing that I don't like is when you have a funeral and the preacher gets up and preaches a sermon. Oh, I don't and, like that either. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what they're going to do because they don't know you. They don't know the family. You know, you just hire a preacher to do it. And, mm -hmm. and it, it uh, that's what happens. So I don't like that. Uh, I think it's, I think it's. Especially if they do a, a, an altar call at, at the end. I mean, that I've exactly. seen that. And that is bizarre. Exactly. Exactly. But uh. it happens. And, and especially in the country churches and, and it just becomes that that's what it is. And the, 
You know what I want to have at my funeral? What? I want to have uh, everybody gets a drink ticket and they get one drink <laughs> on the way out the door. Is that tacky? No, I think that's a good idea. And everybody toast you. So one last time, why don't you be happy for a life uh, hopefully well lived instead of let's 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 all be sad that uh, uh, you know this person is gone or whatever. What if we let's let's toast them or say, it sounds like an Irish thing or something, you know? Where don't they have wakes and things like that, and they all sit around and have a drink and and toast the person and celebrate it right there instead of. Uh, being sad you can be you can be sad and everything but um, somebody that's you know over 65 70 years old i mean you can only be sad so long it wasn't like they were 20. so it was they weren't taken out at the top of their life were they? no exactly so you know anyway. all right i guess we've right. anything else we've you want to add to this no. <laughs> okay. All right. Tell everyone what's coming up, and I got a sponsor of the day. All right. We're going to look into the mailbox and also talk to some people about complaints. But first, Bob has a sponsor. I do, and it's been lucky. And I've talked about it for a long time. But you know they really do a great job there. Um, and it's it's perfect time of the season to go there and save money. Everything there is brand new. This is not used stuff. This is things that were sent back to Home Depot, Lowe's, uh, Amazon, things like that. All that stuff, when it comes back, when you return those things, you run down to UPS and return that thing to Amazon, it's not going for sale again. It's wholesaled out, and it goes to people like Ben Lucky. They buy them by the truck load, ladies and gentlemen. They load them in there on Wednesday and Thursday. You put them across all their bins. And then Friday, every single thing, I don't care if it's $30, $50, whatever, $8. On Saturday, everything is 6 Sunday, everything's 4 Monday, 2 bucks. And if anything is left, on Tuesday, it's only a dollar. And Wednesday and Thursday, they reload. But what a great way to save money during the holidays. Get down there. Everything is brand new. It doesn't hurt to look. And you're no. saying, Bob, where in the heck is this? 4426 Middlebrook Pike across from that KUB substation. Get on in there. And as Ed and I say, we've been lucky. It's time for you to be lucky. lucky. <laughs> All right, Ed, open, open the mailbox. All right, here we go. This is Maddie from Knoxville. Bob, what happened to Knoxville Radio? Oh, man. You got an hour or two? <laughs> I don't, you know, and it's not just Knoxville radio. I'm sure it's all radio. Well, radio used to, you listen to radio for music and information and, and weather. Yeah, entertainment. And people started getting those things from other sources, didn't they? Mm -hmm. Also, you had friends on the radio. Oh, that well, you, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that you knew and you liked to listen to them every day. I'll never forget, somebody told me one day, uh, you know, Ed and I, if folks are just listening, Ed and I worked at WIBK. I was there 20 years. Ed was there, I don't know, how many years were you there, Ed? 30? Uh, at least, yeah. So, uh, or, yeah, or more, <clears throat> because you became general manager. But um, people told me, I'll never forget, they said, uh, the people that are playing the records, to me, are as popular to me or as the people singing the songs. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? 
And they said, yeah, you know, I, I, I know Ed Brantley and Claude and people like it as well as, as I like Ronnie Millsap. And I thought, and it didn't dawn on me, but like you just said, they had friends that were on the radio playing right. the music. And, and you become family. Uh, mm -hmm. The listeners know your family and they know what you do and, and they become a part of you. And it, yeah. it's, it's a, a nice relationship, to be honest with you. So what happened to radio in Knoxville? It became, I think radio became a, a music only oriented thing. So it's who plays the most music. I remember when all that started, mm -hmm. and and it just you know anybody can play music, but sure. not anybody can entertain. And it was the entertainment segment that, that got left out. And I think a lot of people turned on the radio every day to be entertained. I can remember my father in his shoe shop at twelve thirty every day turned on Paul Harvey. Oh yeah. And, and he would turn all the machines off. And if you came in to get your shoes in, you just had to sit and wait because he was on the And that's, that's entertainment, you know. Yeah. And, and it, 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 uh, it, just, it just, I think that's missing. So I think uh, a lot of, uh, and then the people who do try to entertain are just silly. You know, they do silly stuff. And yeah. Yeah, they don't really share with the audience. So AM and FM radio, um, you remember when people said, well, AM is dead, but before dead that, I remember when Ed and I were on, on AM radio and we had, Jim Dick had an FM and he had an ad that said, if you only have half a radio, uh, you know, you can buy, he had some kind of like little adapter you could put in or something yeah he plugged it in the back of the am, the AM radio and it converted it you could listen to fm on it and that's how he built the fm signal what well, did amazing. did you think fm would work or be just some uh, you know crazy thing that everybody listens to every once in a while well i think that time fm was more of a classical music it wasn't country Mm -hmm. And and people saw it as you know it, it it had high definition high fidelity, yeah. But it, and it it was a different thing. It wasn't it, there wasn't much talking on FM. Uh, there was no sports on FM at all. Oh Lord no. You know, so it it uh, certainly changed over the years. It was really kind of easy listening radio. You're exactly yeah. right. I remember yeah. that well. It's almost like Muzak or something. If That's people right. remember what That's Muzak right. was, and then all of a sudden. FM became the thing and the AM, they were like, well, that's going to, they'll die. Nobody wants to be on AM. So somebody had to come up with something to put on AM and that was a lot of talk, wasn't it? Right. And there's a lot of things to talk about. So, you know, there was, um, and I think uh, Rush Limbaugh had a lot to do with that. Do you think um, when, when the guy we worked for, Jim Dick, sold the radio stations for a lot of money, um, do you think that was the peak? Did he happen to hit it right at the peak? I think uh, IVK hit country music at the peak, first of all. Yeah. You know, it went from real music that people didn't like to very popular music fast. Mm -hmm. And and that was in the 70s and 80s. And I think we peaked at that time. And, and then Urban Cowboy came around as well. Exactly. And, all and that it stuff. Just, it worked well. And then... And the AM went well when you when it got to the talk and you had entertainers on the AM like Rush Limbaugh, people yeah. who 
people like to listen to, and they took a position. And uh, and so you would you would listen to them every day. And also, AM became a real sports radio. Because uh, so you could talk, you could interview people and talk about right. sports and things that you couldn't do on FM. So it, it became very popular. Well, you were very influential in uh, radio in Knoxville. What were the best years for radio in Knoxville in your mind? Now, that's a tough question. It is, isn't it? It's because you kind of kind of think, because um, you, you were on the air and then you weren't on the air because you were getting into management and things. But there had to be a time, I would think, in your mind where you knew revenues where they started shrinking. Yeah. Well, it's when, when, our, when our company went to a corporate level and corporate radio, when they had 50, 100,000 radio stations across the country, yeah. it became so focused on the bottom line. Mm -hmm. And it, I think that really hurt because there's only so much personality you can do when you're playing all that music. And, and it, it, um, I think that really hurt that part. But I, I think the most popular time for me, I like the I like the '60s radio, WKGN, and and when you had the Beatles and and young rock and roll, and I really got into that. And then it's I switched over to country. When I first went into country, I came back from Vietnam and I had no idea. I couldn't get a job. I wanted to play <laughs> rock and roll, but I couldn't get a job. So I went and talked to Bobby Denton at at IVK, and I didn't know a Conway Twitty from a Rose. You know, I had no idea what he was. <laughs> So I, I had to learn about country music, and I did. But it was it, it was a and country music started changing about that same time. It wasn't the old twee Webb Pierce stuff. It yeah. got into more progressive stuff. Jerry Lee Lewis and Hank Williams Jr. and all those things that came along, and it just became so popular. Uh, right. it's, it's incredible time, and the Shindigs had a lot to do with that for us, and and the Tennessee Valley Fair and the shows out there. It became very popular. All right, I know we're going long, but I, one more question because I can't let you go on this. Do you think we, um, when you and I were at WIBK, that we were just hitting something at the perfect time? Yeah, it was a perfect storm. It we really was. Right was place it? at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. Because it could have been anybody, not just me or you. Yeah. It could be any. I, I mean, you know, not this crediting your talent or anything, but I'm just saying sometimes when a wave of like a popularity of music and things hits, it's whoever's in there at that time rides with it. Absolutely. And thank God I was there. Because <laughs> it certainly made my retirement a lot better, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Buddy, we enjoyed it, didn't we? Yes, we did. We had a heck of a good time, met a lot of people and had fun and made a lot of money. There you so go. It, All right. I, I, I could talk about this for hours, but maybe we will later date. But let's move along. Got one more letter you can open up from the mailbox. All right. Do you think this is this is from Mia in Tuscaloosa? Oh gosh. Do you think this is the beginning of the end for Saban? Oh my God. What? Not today, Saban. <laughs> well. <clears throat> I don't think you've heard the end of him. Or what about you? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. They, they, they're, it's the first time in I don't know how long that uh, Alabama is not in the hunt for the national championship. 
but I, I kind of am afraid, maybe afraid's not the word, but this will just light a fire under everybody there to, okay, let's weed out the people that are not all the way in the way we need them to be in, and let's find the people that are. Well, and, and I think college football has gotten a little more equal around the country, too, because you have, you have a, you know, certain scholarships, and now players can make money. Oh, yeah. and, get, and getting that special player can make all the difference in the world. Uh, look at the quarterback for, uh, who is it? Oh, uh, uh, Ole Miss came from, he came from California to play yeah. at Ole Miss. Are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, there's got to be something going on there, and he's a good well, quarterback. <clears throat> they so, say yeah. this Nico guy from uh, Long Beach that's coming to UT next year mm. already has a, a, over a million dollars a year in NIL money. Wow. That's a college freshman. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's How a do you wrangle that? Yeah, you, it's a different world now. It's just a different, totally different. It's a commercial... But, and these, these single players come from all over the country, and they make such a difference. Well, so and I'll give you another example, Ed. Um, South Carolina, ladies basketball. Mm -hmm. Every player there gets a brand new car when they get there. <laughs> every, it's already, a car dealership's already said the NIL thing. He's given every single player a brand new car when they arrive. Wow. And that's just the beginning. Yeah, and that's, that's why the South Carolina is one of the top ladies basketball team in the country now. They are the top. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> you get the best when you do that. And that's what it comes down to. So it's money, 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 money. That's right. All right. This is the Ed and Bob Show. I'm Bobby Zed. Ed, you uh, love to complain about stuff. I do too. What you got? Uh, well, I'm still <clears throat> complaining about the rise in prices. Uh, going to the grocery store, going to Walmart, going anywhere, and just look at the difference. You know, you can, you can pull those prices off the, the shelf and look behind them and see mm -hmm. how it's going up. It's, really? it's just, it's incredible. I don't see how families keep going like that. Prices have to come down. And it is just, it's going to ruin <clears throat> Christmas for a lot of people. You know, you, even if you go shopping for toys, um, it, it, they've increased like 50% over last Christmas. The same thing. Looking at the toys in the catalogs and things. And my mm -hmm. kids look at that too. My uh, grandchildren, I mean, they're all over that. They, they take these catalogs that come in the mail yep. and they check what they want. Of course, they all pick 30 different things. But if you go <laughs> back and look at last year's catalog, it's a big increase on the same thing. And I don't know how long this inflation can go like this without really hurting the country. Um, I think sooner or later people are going to really be tired of this, and it's it's going to. Well, but Ed, in the in the in the midterm elections here, people did not vote their wallet. Does that surprise no. you? Yes, it does. It really does. Or the people that can't afford this stuff didn't vote because they're too busy working. Yeah. So I don't know. All right, my complaint, Ed, is, uh, and I swear, it seems to have been worse in the last few months. <clears throat> I'm going down the interstate, Ed, and, uh, you know, the speed limit, 65, 70, whatever it is, <clears throat> there'll be somebody in the left lane 
that's just sitting there going either the speed limit or five miles under it and will not get over. I don't, I mean, it, the right lane can be for a completely clear for a mile. They're not moving over. <clears throat> and you kind of come up behind them and you're thinking, okay, they'll get over and then they won't. And then you have to go around them on the right, which is, is always weird anyway. But what gets into people? Are you, you don't do that, do you? No, I don't get in the left lane and go slow. I go in the left lane and go fast. And when I get behind somebody, I flash my lights at them. Oh, my God. I do. <laughs> They'll have to whip your ass, buddy. They'll chase well, you down. Well, I don't think they can. They got to catch me first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. Oh. It, it's amazing, though. People just sit in the left lane. I don't understand it. I, I, listen, if somebody comes up behind me and I'm not going fast, I'm getting the hell out of the way. Come well, on. I do, I bring do it, buddy. Yeah, I get out of the way of trucks. I don't want to mess with tractor-trailer trucks, that's for sure. Yeah. But it's, uh, it, it is amazing. You're right. They get in the left lane and just drive. And they're probably going to I, I've noticed this so many times. People on Alcoa Highway are going to go to Miraville. They get in the left lane because they're going to turn left when they get to Miraville. Eventually. Yeah, eventually you're going to turn left. <laughs> Ed, I got on. I was coming back from uh, Asheville, and a, a girl about uh, uh, 10 miles before you hit I-40, I mean, before you hit it, we're 81 and 40 merge. She came on the exit, uh, entrance ramp and just swerved right over the left lane right in front of me, almost hit me. Mm. And then, then she, you know, going 60 miles an hour and wouldn't get out of the way. And then... Every time I would try to go around her, she'd speed up. Uh, oh, and then, and then, you know, I let her go on. And then uh, she, and I could see her up in front of me. She did the left lane and had eight people lined up behind her for, oh. for, for 30 miles. She oh. would not move over for any reason. And well, I let just, me ask you, let me ask you a question. Okay. What is her nationality? <laughs> I, I, a, a woman. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you didn't look at her? I did look at her, but it just looked like a, a girl about uh, 25. And, uh, you know, and okay. she just wasn't going to get over, period. It made ever. She, she owned the left lane. It was hers. Yeah. All right, tell everybody I can listen to this, Ed. All right, the Ed and Bob show is available at edandbob.com. That's the best place to go. Or you mm -hmm. can download the Apple Podcast app, Spotify app, or TuneIn app. Search Ed and Bob and be sure to subscribe when you find it. Alexa, mm -hmm. in your Alexa skill settings, enable TuneIn. Then tell Alexa to go to TuneIn. She'll say, what do you want to hear, boys? You say exactly this, Ed and Bob Show. That's what she says? Yeah, she said, what do you want to hear, boys? boys? <laughs> <laughs> All right, and if you want to comment, uh, go to edandbob.com comment section. Email us at edandbobbyyahoo.com. We're on Twitter. Yeah, we're social guys. Uh, Ed is just at Ed Brantley, just that easy. It's B-R-A-N-T-L-E-Y. Don't, don't leave that E out. No, <clears> and it is important. And then mine is Bob Thomas K-N-O-X. And on Twitter, we're also Ed and Bob at KNOX. Facebook, we're there too. And we'd like to uh, give you some corrections. Ed, you do the first correction. Anything you want to apologize for or correct or anything like that? No, I just lay it out there, Bob. You it don't comes care. And goes. I got a personal shout out. You remember David Bailoff? Oh, yeah. Bailoff. He, mo he moved back to Knoxville. 
get out of here. Yeah, he's back. Wow. Yeah, you know, he was up there in Washington, D.C., helping him straighten out in the world. Yeah. And he said they can have it. And he is now <laughs> he is now back. You know, his dad, Sam, I want to say Sam is like 96. Yeah, he's got to be. Is he still going? Yes, he works out. Wow. Good yeah. Bless his heart. I see him and I saw him and he gave me a handshake, about broke my hand. <laughs> he's proud. Uh, had Bailoff's clothing there in West Ham forever. Yeah, great guys. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody you want to shout out to, Ed? No, I'm good, buddy. All right. Tell everybody what the show is next time. Should a two-year-old military service be a requirement for all 18-year-olds? You know, they do that in other countries. Yeah, they do it in Israel, don't they? Do you think that would straighten some of these kids out? Oh, gosh, yeah. They'd be, they'd be on an airplane leaving right away. Wow. There you go, going and to Canada. Parents, <laughs> and, and their parents would be calling Washington, complaining. I don't want my kids doing that. They're going to go to the beach. Yeah. And they'll, they'll all join. They'll all sign up at a college. Oh, man. We'll talk about it next time. Ed, uh, here we are the first of December. We're going to, Next time we talk, we'll try to do something right before Christmas. And I look forward to doing that, buddy. I'll talk all to right, you buddy. then. Oh, hey, can okay. I get one thing in? Sure. Let me get one thing before we leave. I, narr I, I narrate the nativity pageant. Yes. And the nativity pageant's coming up in a few days. It's November, uh, December 10th at 3 o'clock, the 11th at 3 o'clock, and on Monday night, uh, December the 12th at 7 o'clock. It's at the Knoxville Coliseum, and it is absolutely free. We'd love to have you come and hear the story of the uh, birth of Jesus. That's a wonderful event. All right. Uh, thanks, brother. I'll talk to you next time. Okay. God bless you. Bye. How lucky can one guy be? I kissed her and she kissed me Like the fella once said Ain't that a kick in the head The room was completely black I hugged her and she hugged back Like the sailor said folk Ain't that a hole in the boat My head keeps spinning I go to sleep and keep Tell me quick, ain't love a kick in the 